This is Alan Minsky. I'm speaking with Professor James K. Galbraith, who is the Lloyd Benson Chair in Government and Business Relations and Professor of Government at the University of Texas, Austin, and he is the author of Predator State, How Conservatives Abandoned the Free Market and Why Liberals Should Too. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be with you. First off, your response to the statistics uh, that came out today on unemployment, the rate has dropped to 9.0, but the number of jobs created in January was extremely disappointing. A bit of a paradox there in terms of the rate going down and the number of jobs generated being low. Your thoughts in terms of uh, how that looks for the economy going forward? Well, I think the fall in the unemployment rate is encouraging news. There are a couple of surveys that are quite distinct that are reported on at the same time. One of them is a survey of households, which appears to be showing a very substantial number of people who have found work, and the other one being the survey of establishments of known businesses, which is the one that shows that very few new jobs were created by businesses known to the uh, Labor Department. Which of those is the truer picture is something we won't know until we have more data going forward, but better to have one of the surveys going in the right direction than to have both of them going in a bad direction. And the prognosis for jobs uh, in the immediate future as you look out at the entire American economy? Well, we are in a period of, of slow economic expansion. I suspect we're going to see painfully slow reduction of unemployment, but we are going to see some net job creation going forward. Turning to the matter of building a powerful left in the United States. First off, let's look at the political moment we're in now. It's the top of 2011. Barack Obama's the president. The Republicans control the House of Representatives, and the Democrats have a diminished majority in the Senate. Given that, pragmatically, what economic policies do you think could be adopted to ameliorate the economic crisis that progressives, for pragmatic reasons, should support? Well, this is clearly not a favorable moment, and it's likely to get worse before it has any chance of getting better. Uh, in the next elections, the Democrats are going to be defending a large number of seats, the Republicans only a few. It's likely that both houses of Congress will be under Republican control at that point, and they may stay that way for quite a long time. In the White House, we have an administration which, as of the State of the Union, stated, I think, broadly good themes for a strategy for economic redevelopment, reconstruction, based upon the need for infrastructure, the need for innovation, support for education, but did not articulate any very persuasive policies to advance those objectives. Uh, so there really is, this really is a moment when the national leadership is saying the right things thematically, but not, practically speaking, putting an effective agenda on the table. Uh, and uh, the other characteristic of that speech was that the president said practically nothing at all about the people who have been hardest hit by the crisis and continue to be hard hit by it. Nothing about the unemployed, nothing about people who are losing their homes about the foreclosure crisis, um, and uh, nothing about those who've lost uh, other forms of wealth that they had accumulated over uh, many, uh, many decades up till now. So the, the, the um, crisis of the American working population of the American middle class uh, was very much downplayed. And it seems to me that what progressives need to do is um, to, uh, in, in it, to articulate and develop in an honest and direct and 
realistic way uh, approaches that deal with both of those problems that concretely advance a policy for national reconstruction uh, and job creation and that concretely address as best we can uh, the needs of people who've been badly hit uh, by the crisis. Uh, and the third area that I think that we that was, was neglected and has been neglected so far in the lifetime of this administration and over which the government does in fact have some power is the cleaning up of the financial sector. It will not be possible to develop a progressive strategy in this country so long as economic policy is substantially dominated by large, uh, essentially predatory institutions uh, who, um, whose behavior gave us the financial crisis, gave us the wreckage that is now the American um, dream of home ownership, uh, and who have remained substantially unreformed and substantially dedicated to the same objectives they had before, which was maximizing the income of their top executives. In a hypothetical, you were in a position where you could oversee the current American economy with all of its uh, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, what kind of policies and programs would you propose? In practical terms, in the current political environment, the first thing I would do uh, would be to mobilize the Justice Department. Uh, to deal with the legacy of um, misconduct and fraud that underpinned the financial crisis. Uh, that should have been done two years ago, but it is not too late to do it now, and it's within the power of the presidency uh, to uh, move down that path in spite of what's happened in the political environment. And you could have, I think, uh, you wouldn't do this for political reasons. You would do this because justice demands it because restoring confidence in a functioning financial sector demands that you have clean accounting and, and accountability for, for past conduct. Uh, but I think it would also be politically advantageous. Uh, secondly, uh, on the uh, theme of a strategy for economic redevelopment, I think the crucial thing is to create institu an institutional framework that can sustain and finance an investment program uh, over a long period of time, an investment program that deals with problems that we actually have, problems of climate change, problems of energy security, uh, problems of reconstructing a decrepit national infrastructure. Uh, an infrastructure development bank would be a very useful way of, uh, uh, of uh, approaching that problem. Uh, a new network of, let's say, national laboratories to provide a sound foundation of um, a sound engineering foundation for planning the kind of transformations that we need to have would be an extremely useful thing. A cabinet department that is actually focused on these issues would be an extremely useful thing. Uh, and then thirdly, in the area of dealing with people who have been helping people who have been hit hardest, what we need to do here is to uh, firmly commit ourselves to strengthening uh, Social Security and Medicare and to resisting the pressures to cut those programs. Social Security and Medicare are the foundation that keep uh, the older American population and their dependents and survivors out of poverty. Uh, and those programs are under extreme threat these days from uh, their historic enemies and f allied with... Uh, financial interests who are making a great deal of heavy heavy weather about the supposed uh, deficit and debt problems of the national 
government, a kind of smokescreen for the financial problems that we're in fact not dealing with uh, in the private financial sector. Uh, but in any event, what the progressive uh, forces in the country need to do is to uh, develop a very forceful set of arguments as to why these programs, which are successful, which are efficient, which are low cost, and which have uh, transformed in many ways uh, the patterns of life and the, uh, eased the lives of, of many millions of Americans over the period since they, they were first put in place in the 1930s and the 1960s, uh, should be preserved and maintained, uh, not, not sacrificed uh, to, um, uh, under, under the political pressures that they're now facing. And uh, were a, a set of uh, programs and policies to be adopted by the community of American progressives, again, in a hypothetical, in a vacuum, as it were, uh, quickly on uh, unemployment and underemployment, uh, wealth inequality in the society, and then health care, those three issues? Well, unemployment, there are two um, major things that have to be done. First of all, you have to create conditions um, that favor job creation, mainly in the private sector. That is to say, restoring uh, a climate of um, good underwriting credit for small and medium-sized businesses for new employment initiatives uh, and uh, setting up a strategic direction so that private business feels that it's reasonably good economic bet to make uh, investments to expand activity uh, in certain areas. Um, and I think, uh, again, energy and uh, transformation and climate change are, are areas where there is a large uh, potential for uh, uh, for activity if uh, we could create the institutions that would sustain that activity uh, from an economic point of view. Secondly, you have a uh, large part of the, of the working population that was hit very hard by the crisis, and uh, that consists of older workers, many of whom have um, uh, worked many years in tough jobs and whose employment prospects going forward are very precarious. And these are people who uh, would take uh, Social Security if they could afford to, would retire early if they could afford to, uh, would take the reduced benefit at 62 uh, if, uh, uh, if they... Uh, were old enough to um, to do so and qualified for it. Uh, it seems to me that we ought to have, uh, we ought to face the reality that as jobs are created, as new jobs become available, these workers are going to find themselves largely at the back of the queue. They're going to have face a very frustrating, very challenging time trying to um, to 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 find decent new employment because employers, and quite understandably, are going to be drawn to the younger workers who are competing for the same job. So why not, uh, for a certain period, create a financial environment that's more favorable to early retirement uh, to allow people to leave the labor force uh, with full Social Security benefits, for example, or at a younger age, uh, in order to just ease this transition uh, for them? Uh, and to uh, that, I think, would have a, a number of effects. It would reduce the size of the labor force. It would create a stable and much happier living environment for people.
already worked many decades in, in reasonably tough jobs, and particularly at the lower end of the scale. Uh, and it would enable those people to become, in effect, employers rather than employees. They would have a steady revenue stream, and their economic activity would generate jobs for other people. So if you're looking for something that was a practical way of getting us through the consequences of this crisis, it seems to me that's the kind of thing that we should be looking at. To talk instead about raising the retirement age in Social Security, which is in effect a benefit cut and a rather steep benefit cut for those who are forced to take retirement at um, uh, 62 or so, uh, is um, really the wrong way to go under the conditions that we presently face. And uh, the wealth inequality uh, seemingly ever increasing the gap between the the haves and the have-nots in American society? Well, that's a consequence of two things. One is the decline of, of, of unions and other forms of organization, political organization, which create um, uh, greater social solidarity and, and more compressed pay scales. Uh, and the other, the other is the way in which we have um, constructed the tax system in recent decades, uh, where we have allowed uh, unearned incomes, rental, rental income in effect, uh, um, income from capital gains and so forth, dividends, to be taxed at a far lower rate than the incomes uh, and of ordinary workers who pay uh, not only income tax but also a very steep payroll tax. So uh, rethinking our tax code uh, and uh, moving back to a truly progressive um, tax system would be probably the, the most effective way to deal with the, with, with, with the inequality issue that has gotten substantially worse in the last uh, 30 years than it, than it was before. And finally, um, looking at the American uh, health care system, uh, do you see what passed uh, in the last Congress and was signed into law by President Obama as a starting point, or... Um, fundamentally is not an adequate response to the crisis and something else needs to be put forward and proposed and uh, embraced by progressives? Uh, this has not been my area, right. but my general view is that uh, we should see how the present system, the system just uh, enacted, develops. I expect there, there will be substantial difficulties with it, mainly uh, that uh, the cost of, uh, of insurance will rise rather sharply, uh, and that we will, after a period of time, end up facing the same choices that we should have been facing all along, uh, how to move toward a single-payer system, uh, which uh, uh, takes the the element of private medical insurance out of the picture. Uh, it's the, it's the uh, position uh, in our system of private health insurance companies, uh, which is the source of... Uh, source of the difficulties that we face and that practically all other uh, industrial, advanced industrial countries have avoided. James Galbraith is the Lloyd Benson Chair in Government Business Relations and Professor of Government at University of Texas, Austin. He's the author of the book Predator State. Thank you so much for joining us on Building a Powerful Left in the United States. My pleasure as always.